Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now, here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, just like the man said, and my guest was just on a previous episode of the show, and we ended on a controversial topic, and I th- said, we got to have him back and finish talking about that. My guest is Robert Burke from Robert Burke Games. Robert, welcome back to the show. Hey, Richard, thanks. Okay, we're going to talk about, what was that last thing you said? It was... Okay. Well, the last thing I was talking about is we're talking about the Through the Ages game by Eagle Games that's on Kickstarter. And part of this controversy, and some people have made this point on, on the Board Game Geek forums where people love to argue about this stuff, is that this is a special case because this game was already made. They're saying that this third edition was already printed, Eagle was already selling it, but what they're doing here is using Kickstarter to increase the sales of this new edition, that they don't really need the funds to actually produce the game. And that has got a lot of people upset. Yes. Because that's just not right. They don't like it. They don't like it. And they don't like it because Kickstarter should, and I've read some of this comments, Kickstarter has rules. And one of those rules are Kickstarter is not a store. And for all intents and purposes, Eagle Games and their... Now, you know what, Richard? I will say they have a point there because Kickstarter themselves went out of their way to make that point. Remember they put out that big... They did. News, that big item that said Kickstarter is not a store, and they went through that whole thing. And I've actually said that to people, too. It's not a, it's not a store. Um, so that they, I think they do have a, a point there, but really... Kickstarter is the one that needs to decide this stuff, right? So really, to me, it's a moot point. No. Kickstarter, they, Kickstarter can decide who's acceptable and who's not oh, on well, their website. Why does, so why does Kickstarter have to decide? Why don't we decide? If they're violating the rules, why don't we enforce the rules for them? It's their company. It's, not, it's a private company. Sure, but we can enforce the rules. We just don't back the project. That's Well, we could do that with our wallet, but as far as who is allowed to have a project on Kickstarter and who is not, that's really up to Kickstarter. It is, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on something here. I'm, I'm not speaking from Kickstarter. I don't have any insights there. Uh, this show is not endorsed by them, sponsored by them, nothing. So what I'm about to say is my opinion only or my insights only. So Kickstarter made some rules. What were some of those rules? First of all, you couldn't do a prototype. You couldn't do a rendering. It had to be the physical prototype. Have you ever seen a board game on Kickstarter show a rendering instead of the actual prototype? Well, well, that rule was actually very specific to the design category. It was. But then Kickstarter also said, hey, you can't have multiple copies over 10. Correct. And that actually impacted me because I had a project. I think it was Battle for Souls. And they came back and did not approve it at first because I had like a retailer, you know, get 10 copies thing. And they said, oh, you can only have six at the most. And so, so I the- had to change that. But do you, are you aware of other Kickstarter projects right now that are that are found ways around that? I I'm not. I have. Uh, one of them is to do a dollar retail. And that's a good point. I think there has been some inconsistencies, and that's why I think there's issues. Well, we can keep going with the inconsistencies. Uh, you're not allowed to sell inventory out of your uh, back inventory. Have you ever seen a Kickstarter project that says if you back this game, you can get my previous game that you didn't get on Kickstarter or this other game that we have? You ever seen one of those? Ah, I've done that myself. Yes, you have. That's not. That's <laughs> against the rules. One of the things, I, and I, I can keep going down the list. 
Because one of the things that I've argued with is, is that most of the rules on Kickstarter were created for people, everybody but board gamers. Mm. Now, this is why I did the caveat at the beginning of this, because Kickstarter is going to go like, no, 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 no. Well, okay, but Kickstarter's the uh, board games and gaming is the largest category. It self-polices itself. It has been innovative. It has driven so much content, energy, dollars, um, stretch goals, uh, type things came out of the Kickstarter advertising came out of board gamers. All of this stuff came out. And so oftentimes I've noticed that they take a, a little bit of a more casual approach to enforcement because they're looking at board gamers and most board gamers have not abused Kickstarter. Right. But somebody could be arguing right now. Oh no, there's now this is abuse. You're putting a product up there. Uh, you familiar with flashpoint fire rescue? I am. Yeah, yes. I, I approached Travis um, and said, hey, what would you use that $50,000 for on Flashpoint? The artwork is awesome. Do you use it for the artwork? The game components are awesome. Do you use it for the game components? You know what he said? What? He said, no, the game was done. All the art was done. The game was done. We were ready to ship it. So we put it on Kickstarter so we could get some awareness for it. Yeah, and that's a big – Kickstarter is a huge marketing engine too, isn't it? Ironically, it is, but it isn't. Ironically, people who don't understand how it's a marketing engine think that Kickstarter itself is going to drive – Ah, good point, and it's not. No, Correct. it is not going to amplify your message. Right. But what it is but going if to – But if you do enough work, enough legwork to get the ball rolling on Kickstarter so your project takes off – it's going to snowball because of Kickstarter. That's correct. And, and in essence, what Kickstarter has done is use the word – we can now use the word Kickstarter. And you say that to a board game audience. You don't have to explain how it works. You don't have to explain what you've done. But if you say, I put my game on Kickstarter, everybody's like, oh, okay. And all of these questions are answered. Right. I was had a recent guest on the show um, – uh, she books. They are doing a, uh, they did a Kickstarter launch party, uh, doing a lot of, uh, things for women in literature. Well, one of the challenges they're faced with is their backers. They have to teach their backers what Kickstarter is. Right. Cause and, nobody in that space knows. No. Oh. Now, ironically, they did their Kickstarter launch party in San Francisco. And guess what? People in San Francisco know Kickstarter. Right. Um, it was a packed house. All these men and women, they knew Kickstarter. But the average person is going to be like, I, I don't know. So if you're trying to get a film out there and it's tied to a documentary about a certain subject and that audience is – let's suppose you were doing a World War II trying to target a bunch of uh, relatives of people who were passing on World War II vets. I have a World War II project coming up actually. There you go. But if you were doing some kind of documentary or something and so you were selling it to a whole different crowd, well, you got to teach these people how to use Amazon. Exactly. you got to – from the very basic level. But in board gaming, you don't have to. You can just say, hey, it's on Kickstarter. And, and, That's right. And any, some, board gamer, any board gamer that doesn't know Kickstarter is not a board gamer. Right? It's, it's right. It's getting to that point. So now should big companies be allowed to put their projects on Kickstarter? And so the answer is – let me pull the envelope. Robert says yes. Richard says yes. And we both agree because as we covered in the previous episode, this is not a zero sum game. It does drive awareness. Don't, you don't think ogre suddenly made people sit up and go, holy cow. 
right? It absolutely did. And as we argued in the last one, this is not this is not cutting into revenue sales in friendly local game stores. It might make a particular Kickstarter project difficult to sell, but their sales as a aggregate are not dropping. Quite the opposite. More people are. I tell more people walk into their game store saying, "Hey, can I get Cards Against Humanity?" Long before they were even able to sell it, so it's not like they were having sales stolen from them. So yes, you and I both agree. So let's do a hypothetical. Is it possible in a situation where a game company, any company, would not be allowed to put a project on Kickstarter? That's a good question, and I, I don't know the answer to that because I think we've discussed a little bit about how there's been some inconsistencies on the rules, and and then there's this whole thing of the spirit of Kickstarter. Yeah, where does you know, that what? come from? Where does that come from? I know where that comes from. <laughs> where? Tell us, because I don't understand. Is this, That spirit is different from the actual rules. Right? Yes, but it is. The, and, and and part of this is – so part I understand because of how long I've been in the tech industry. You know, I got on the internet in 1978, 79 was the first time I got on the internet. I saw my first computer when I was in first grade uh, in 68 – um, I, my mother bought her first computer with a Winchester hard drive. And this all will lead up to something with a 10 megabyte, a, a 10 megabyte hard drive in 1981. I think it was 81. I think she paid $5,000. The hard drive itself, the 10 megabyte hard drive cost $3,000 or 2,300. I, I worked for a company where we would register domain names for companies who wanted their domain name registered. And this was in 1996. At the time, it didn't cost any money to register a domain name. Anybody could register it. Right. And so we, I registered U-Haul's domain name, McDonald's domain name. Um, and as I'm going along and I'm working for this company, this is what we do. We actually uh, had some other internet services back in the mid-90s way out in front of the cloud and that type of thing. And I can remember turning to one of my coworkers and saying, you know what? We need to start charging money for this or we need to start going and squatting on some of these domain names. We need to go register some of these domain names before other people get them because we had ability. And he said, no, 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 no. We can't charge money to do that. Why? It violates the spirit. Ah. He was a longtime Unix user, a longtime uh, internet geek of the truest sense and the spirit of the internet back then was openness and freedom and not right. commercialization right that spirit is alive and well it's, it's kind of the same as like bottled water right why why should we bottle water and sell it people can just get it out of their faucet it doesn't make any sense yes and that but now it turned that, into a huge industry for coca-cola because of the convenience or, or whatever. I, I look at the vending machine at work. Uh, Coke cans, a, a can of Coke costs 25 cents because it's um, high volume, subsidized, whatever. A, a bottle of Dasani water from the same company costs a dollar. And right. I'm looking at that going, wait a minute. That just is not right. But it's just the way it is. So our friends who are feeling that the spirit of Kickstarter are being violated, I understand where they're coming from. And just because I understand doesn't necessarily mean I agree. And because I disagree doesn't mean I don't understand. I understand where they're coming from, this spirit. But it's just not the reality of the situation anymore. If you want the spirit of Kickstarter to be alive and well the way you perceive it, then you can go create your own crowdfunding platform and make it available for the right. little guy. 
And that's why, for me, it comes down to, hey, if Kickstarter says it's okay, it's okay. Because it's their site, they built it, they set the rules, and they, you know, there's got to be some gray area, right, in there. On sure. On whether a project is acceptable or not. And they're the only ones that can really make that decision or should make that decision. That's so exactly right. That's exactly so if right. They, if they say it's okay, then to me, it's okay. It's okay. So what's your next Kickstarter project going to be? Uh, my next Kickstarter project is called Operation Faust. It is in the blind playtesting phase right now. So we've gone through a bunch of rounds of playtesting already. Um, but it's a bluffing game. If you like bluffing games, um, you are trying to save priceless artwork in occupied France during World War II before Hitler uh, captures it. So, so Monuments know. Men without yeah, the title. Yeah, ba- basically it's like Monuments Men uh, bluffing game basically. Right. Right. Yeah. Hey, you should just call it that, Monuments Men. you think anybody would mind? You know, I was looking into – I was actually researching that and um, it is trademarked. The name is trademarked. Uh, there is an organization – titled the Monuments Monuments Men Foundation. It's a great foundation, by the way. And they have a book, and the movie was based on the book, and they do have the trademark rights on card games. So I cannot call it Monuments Men. I've reached out to them, but I haven't heard back from them. And I do have a copy of the book. So it's coming out. Any idea when it's going to come out? I don't have any idea right now. I I would say that I'm going to probably launch the Kickstarter before the end of the year, though. Okay. So one of my previous guests or guest after, I know I've already recorded with him. I don't know what order he'll show up. Jamie Stegmeyer, who you're familiar with, Stonemeyer Games. Yes. He's got on his website on StonemeyerGames.com a link to a Google spreadsheet that allows you to put – you can right now go put in, find out which week you want to launch, what day you want to launch your game. And see what other games will be launching on that day that you want to match up against. Oh, that's a very good idea. Isn't that a good idea? He's a smart egg, that guy. I've never talked to Jamie. You need to introduce me to him. I will. He is one of the (laughs) smartest people I have ever met. So, yes. So, uh, and I told him, I said, oh, you know, so Prefundia is out there that does that. But it's like, no, 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 no. This is, this is exactly, this is how uh, KickTrack got started. Right. Um, Adam Clark. Uh, wanted to keep track of his board game Kickstarter projects. So he made his little thing. I don't know if you know the story. Um, and those g- cool graphics that he does with KickTrack. I love he, KickTrack. So he took a screenshot and put it on Board Game Geek and then went away for the weekend. He comes ba- back and bam, because this was private. It was a private server he had set up. It was his own little system he had set up. It was not open to the public. But people found it and were using it. They found it because when he posted the screenshot to Board Game Geek, what he didn't realize is that the bottom of the screenshot had the URL, the exact URL, to the, his, his server. So people saw it, went, started uploading their own projects. He comes back and all of a sudden he had like five or six and went to like a couple of hundred. Boom. Wow. He's like, whoa, what happened? And now um, – it's been – it's what, two years now since he launched it, April of uh, two years ago? And how would we do – how would we not have KickTrack? Right? Wow. Kind of cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. So I told Jamie that this this thing that he's created, even though it's dead simple, it's just a Google spreadsheet, same potential, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. You got it's a co- valuable. You got a project coming out. You first of all, you want everybody to know about it, and second of all, you want to see who you're up against, and that maybe you should move it around because if you're up but, against a, a zombicide or an ogre, maybe you don't. But want here, to- but, but here's my question for you, and this kind of ties back to our whole conversation about our big companies. Is it good for Kickstarter and 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 the and the industry if these big companies are on Kickstarter would you want to launch your smaller project from an indep- if you're an independent board game designer with the launch in 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 concert with the launch of a bigger company would that be good for you or bad for you would it take sales away from you or wait a minute all those people coming from that other when they when they pledge for that big project are they then going to see your project and maybe pledge for it? Days of Wonder, Memoir 44, great game. Love it. Absolutely love it. Just came out with their uh, – about to come out with their D-Day pack. 12-player, four maps. You play it with thousands of pieces, right? If they were to kickstart that like they did their small world and – Huge. Yes, it would be huge. And you've got a World War II game. So you answer the question. Yeah, well, if the themes match up, then hey, that's absolutely a great idea. Which is really the valid point, is if the themes match, if they don't match up, really, are you going after the same audience? But I'd love to hear you and Jamie do a show on that. What do, what do you guys really think? What if the themes don't match up? Then my or argument. What if it's the same mechanics, but a different theme? Is it better to launch with a big, high profile project? Or is it better to launch outside of that? Okay, I'm going to say I don't know the answer. So anecdotal evidence, though, is have you ever bought a car? Yes. Okay, where, where did you go to buy that car? To a dealership. And where was that dealership located? Not too far away. And was it located near or far from other dealerships? It, very close to other dealerships. Like dealership row. Yes. Like one after another, after another, after another, after another. And where does a Wendy's restaurant always seem to appear? Next to other fast food Next to a McDonald's. Their early strategy was to simply buy the lot across the street from McDonald's. So my question to you is, does that apply to Kickstarter? And that's a great question. So that would be a great – we're out of time. So that would be a great question to talk about. I'll have to talk about Jamie with that. I have different opinions. I don't know the answer to that one. I have – all right. Well, your next show is you and Jamie talking about that. We'll, right. have, we'll have to try that one. I'll have to track him down and we'll have to talk about that. Robert, thanks for being on the show again. Thanks, Richard. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Robert Burke of Robert Burke Games. Uh, we've been talking about, oh, I don't know, just everything. Hopefully it's been inspiring and interesting to you. Go check out his uh, Kickstarter projects. They're not active, but you can go see some of the stuff he's done. He's been doing this for a long time now in Kickstarter years. And I think you've got a lot of things that he can, he's got a lot of things that you could probably learn from if you have a project similar. And don't forget to visit patreon.com slash Richard Bliss to go and pledge for the podcast to keep it going and show your support. Thanks for listening. Take care.